This is Think It Through with me, April A. Bear. Get ready to start thinking. I know, it's hard, and you'd probably rather not. But here we go anyway. Hi there, welcome to episode 12. This is going to be a short one, but I am preparing a couple of much longer episodes in the near future that I think you'll like. Today, I'm going to talk about a fallacy that I've seen lots of examples of out there in the wild, wild internet. It's something that can be very manipulative and is mostly used in arguments to deflect attention away from the fact that the person making a claim either has no evidence or very poor evidence to support that claim. I'm talking about the fallacy of misplaced burden of proof. Now, don't confuse this with the burden of proof in legal disputes, which is kind of a different thing. I'm referring to which party holds the burden of providing evidence in the realm of public and interpersonal discourse. So, let's look at the misplaced burden of proof. I'm sure you're familiar with those prove-me-wrong memes where a famous person is sitting at a table and there's a sign that makes some kind of statement like, octopuses are just wet spiders. Prove me wrong. While these memes are usually about silly topics and played for laughs, they are literal examples of this fallacy. What they're saying is, I have made a claim, but I don't have to prove I'm correct. You, however, have to prove that I'm not correct. This places the burden of proof on the other person in the interaction, which is counter to the rules of argumentation. When someone's attempting to persuade you and they make a statement that they want you to accept as true, then it generally is that person's obligation to provide evidence to support their statement. A claim with no evidence is simply that, a claim. It's not an argument. And if instead of providing evidence to support their claim, they say things like, prove me wrong, look it up yourself, or my favorite, do your own research. That's a big red flag that they're guilty of this fallacy, plus it's unlikely they have any evidence of their own to give. Now, certainly many people don't recognize this as a fallacy and might be pulled into an argument where they're not quite sure how they ended up having to try to prove somebody wrong. There are also just as many people who know it's a fallacy, but don't give a rat's ass about the rules of argumentation, and they're just trying to cover up the fact that they have no real evidence for their claims. Here's an example. In a 2018 interview with Gavin McInnes, the original leader of the Proud Boys, now this was right after Charlottesville when they were still claiming they were not white nationalists, but were anti-feminist. Wisconsin public radio journalist Alexandra Hall asked him to back up some claims he was making about women's issues. He had said to her, and I quote, Women are inventing problems and lying in order to create a world where feminists are needed. Like saying one in four women will be sexually assaulted or raped in college. Or saying that women earn less than men and there's a wage gap. Just blatant lies to justify their existence. End quote. So, when he made that claim, she naturally asked how he knew that those statistics were, as he put it, blatant lies. And he blithely replied, well, I don't think you've looked it up if you think they are true, which makes me think you don't really care. He provided no evidence and basically said it wasn't his job to provide that evidence. 
And he also said that she really didn't care about the truth because if she did, she should have looked it up for herself at some point in the past, which makes no sense. I mean, how would she know what she should have looked up before he even made the statement? Yeah, this guy's a piece of work, and it's very likely he had absolutely no evidence to show that those statistics were lies. That's just the kind of BS he spews on a regular basis. The journalist even tried to call him out on it, but he doubled down, continuing to commit this and other fallacies and making outrageous and sexist statements during the entire interview. She was genuinely trying to get a story and remain professional, and he was just yanking her chain and dragging her down into a morass of unintelligible misogyny, and also probably getting off on messing with a female journalist. I'll link to this interview in the comments. He's, um, he's not a nice person. So let's talk about exactly when someone has the burden of proof in an argument. Itamar Schatz, a PhD candidate at Cambridge University, runs the website Effectivology. In his article, The Burden of Proof, Why People Must Properly Support Their Arguments, he explains it this way. Generally, a person who makes any statements that they expect others to believe should have sufficient evidence to support those claims which means that over the course of a discussion, the burden of proof can shift from one person to the other. He says the burden of proof is somewhat different depending on the statement. The first kind of statement is an assertion. This is a statement that you are certain is true, and you want it to be accepted as a fact by the other party in the discussion. You definitely have the burden of proof in this instance, and if you can't provide evidence, you should retract your statement. In the public radio interview with Gavin McInnes, he was asserting that the statistics that he was referring to were lies, and he wanted that assertion to be believed. So he had the burden of proof even though he refused to provide evidence or retract his statement. He was totally in the wrong, not that it mattered to him. But there are other statements that people throw out in discussions that may not have the same burden as an assertion. Those statements are either presumptions or assumptions. A presumption is a statement that you make in which you suppose that something is the case based on its probability. You may not be 100% sure, but you think that what you're claiming is likely to be true. An assumption is a statement that doesn't really have any evidence. It's just something you take for granted, and you assume that others might do as well. Presumptions are based on at least some kind of evidence, which you might be asked to provide. Let's say you're having a conversation with someone regarding the whereabouts of your friend who was supposed to meet the two of you for drinks but hasn't shown up yet. You could presume that maybe your friend was late getting out of work, and the other person might just accept that statement or say, are you sure? You might have to admit you're not sure, but it seems likely because your friend's been late before, and it's usually because she got out of work late. Assumptions, on the other hand, aren't usually based on any solid evidence at all. You simply take it for granted. A lot of our opinions rise from assumptions. So if you've always thought, for instance, that women naturally make better parents than men, you may not have based that assumption on any evidence except your own experience and feelings. 
as long as you recognize it as an assumption and you're not trying to get anyone else to believe it, you just want them to know what you think about it, you really aren't required to provide evidence. However, someone might provide evidence to the contrary. And if someone does come along and provide that evidence that your assumption might be incorrect, you really ought to rethink those claims. In other words, it might mean you actually have to go out and do some research to see if the things you have thought to be the case actually aren't. Remember the old saying, when you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. Now, there are some statements that are considered privileged, meaning that there is enough well-established and supportive evidence about them that experts in that particular field have arrived at a consensus about that statement, and the burden of proof is therefore not on that side of the argument. Schatz uses the example of a flat earther arguing with a person who knows the earth is not flat. Because the consensus among the vast majority of scientists and laypeople, for that matter, is that the Earth is a sphere, the burden of proof does not lie with the person who agrees with the prevailing science. Instead, it lies with the person who believes the Earth is flat, and they have to have compelling and undeniable evidence that cannot be refuted or explained away by the experts. As Carl Sagan said, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. That means when someone makes a claim that seems unlikely based on current evidence, that person is held to the higher standard of proof. So when you tell your flat earth believing friend, dude, it's not flat, and he says, oh yeah, how do you know? You don't have the burden of proof here. You have many years of science on your side, and it's not your job to explain it to your friend, as there is an abundance of easily accessible information to do the job for you. And since you're probably not an expert in the field of planetary science, you don't have to prove it to him. He'll probably refer you to a couple of YouTube videos to prove his point, and in return, you can refer him to the nearest university where he can take a course in astronomy and find someone who can explain to him why those videos are full of crap. So, how do you counter the misplaced burden of proof? It's not uncommon in discussions. So be on the lookout for it, otherwise you'll get sucked in and find yourself in a defensive position that you don't deserve to be in. Remember that if a person makes an assertion, and it's obvious they expect you to believe it, but they don't provide evidence when asked, and instead try to make you prove that they are incorrect, that's when it's happening. Once you recognize it, call it out. Call it what it is and tell that person that it's their responsibility at this point in the discussion to provide their evidence. Then ask for it again. A, it's entirely possible they don't have the evidence immediately in front of them, so it's cool if they have to look something up, I do it all the time. But if they can't or won't provide it, you can end the discussion right there. You're not under any obligation to continue. You can, if you want, go ahead and provide whatever counter-evidence you have at that point, but don't do it until you've made it clear that you're not obliged to do it. You're just doing it anyway. And because they may be committing this fallacy unintentionally, be charitable. Don't be a jerk. 
Also, remember that most people won't accept that they're wrong even when presented with solid counter-evidence. So there may be a point when you need to end the discussion, change the topic, agree to disagree, or whatever. You never know, though. They may think about this discussion later, wonder if indeed they were wrong, and maybe, just maybe, do some actual research not involving YouTube videos from sketchy sources. There's always hope. And that's it for this episode. If you like what you hear, make sure you hit the subscribe button. You can also follow me on Facebook at ComTeacherApril. That's all one word. Until next time, keep doing your best to think it through.